Welcome 180, good to see you. If this is your first time here, welcome. So glad you took a step of faith to kind of come into this room. Hope you find some people here you connect with that help you grow in your relationship with the Lord. Uh, if you were here last week, kind of came with a friend, you're back. Welcome back. We hope you can continue to connect, that you find a place and some people to worship God and really see yourself getting to grow in your relationship with Him. So, Cool. Well, I don't know why, but over this past week, I've been thinking about those uh, awkward, really difficult conversations that we've all had at some point. You know, they're the ones that start like this. Hey, I think we need to talk. Oh, right? You feel it in the pit of your stomach. Your heart starts to race. You get a little nervous, right? Because if it's a teacher, you're like, what did I do on that test? What happened on that exam? This is not good. Or your parent says, hey, we need to talk. You're like, oh, no. What did they find out? <laughs> How did they find out? Right? Well, 180, I think we need to talk. We got to talk about something important. Now, for you that follow Jesus, it has to do with your Christ commitment. It has to do with your character. It has to do with your capability to lead and to know and experience God. So tonight, you and I, we're going to talk about drinking. The use, misuse, or abuse of alcohol, especially on this campus. And what was interesting, I saw some of you, I said that, and you breathed a sigh of relief. You're like, oh, good. It's not the thing I was thinking through. This doesn't have to do with me. Stay engaged tonight, because actually, there's some really important things for you to hear. Because together, we're a family, We're a body, and whether you know it or not, this affects you, and you actually have a role and a responsibility to respond appropriately. But then I saw some other of you try not to slink down into your chair. And you're like, is Jason, is he looking directly at me? How does he know? Here's the deal, I do know, and I am looking at someone. I'm looking at sophomore year me. Many of you heard a little bit of my story. I came to Ohio University when I was ranked the number two party school, and I thought it was my destiny to make it the number one party school. And so my roommates and I, we did everything we could. Uh, and my quad in McKinnon, we packed like 20 people in there every weekend, throwing a disco ball, people would dance on our coffee table. And then we'd go out afterwards. But my life drastically changed at the end of my freshman year. I found myself reading the Bible one night where Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And instantly, everything was new. I got to experience the new life God had for me. But drinking was one of the first areas that God really began to change my perspective on. That was the end of my freshman year, so really sophomore year was the big test to me, for me. So tonight I'm going to share a little bit of my journey with you, what I've learned. We're going to look at a few passages of scripture that talk about uh, drinking alcohol and drunkenness. As my hope is whether you were drunk last week or last year or you've never had a drink of alcohol in your life, that you get some insight in how God's at work in this body of believers. And if you would say, hey, I'm not even a, I'm not even a Christian, I don't really follow Jesus, but I'm checking things out, stay tuned in because I think what we're going to talk about might actually put some words to some things you've experienced since being here. 
So a little bit of my journey, like I said, started back in May of a long time ago, May of 2001. And my life was brand new, but I had no spiritual background. I didn't know very much, so my buddies and I were still building pyramids of natty cans on that coffee table in McKinnon. But I was talking to my friends about God, because God was really real in my life now. And, but drinking was just part of my life. That's where I was at. It had been part of my life since I got drunk in eighth grade, since I continued that throughout high school. Um, and for me, it was just the way to have fun. It's the way I spent time with a lot of my friends. It was kind of some freedom there. Almost all those things revolved around drinking, and honestly, drinking for me always meant getting drunk. So this really was the first real test of my new life in Christ. So I want to look at a few passages that give us some context of what God is doing. The first is one of my favorite verses, Romans 12, 1-2. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. There's this idea that there's pressures trying to conform us to a way that doesn't align with Christ. But because of Christ's mercy and grace in our lives, he's actually transforming us. There's this continual process of being conformed to the character of Christ. And that's called sanctification. And we have this intimate connection with Jesus. And because of the explosive power of his forgiveness in our lives, we get changed. We're transformed. Deep inner life change. And as we say yes to follow the road of Jesus, because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, we find that Jesus is true life. As he says in John 10.10, uh, he says this, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And I found that as I began to follow the way of Jesus, I experienced abundant, new, fresh life. Life the way that it's supposed to be. And it was exhilarating, and yet I felt a tension. It was a tension that Galatians 5 puts into such good words. So I'm going to read this to you. If you want to turn to Galatians 5, this is such a good passage. You should know where it's at. It says, I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Because the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. There's a whole list, but I just kind of uh, shortened some of it. Sexual immorality, impurity, drunkenness, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Uh, I experienced this. Really, it felt like there was two roads. There was this new road of Jesus. And even though it was pretty new to me, I knew if I kept walking on this road, there was abundance of life at the end that there was joy everlasting, deeper than I'd ever experienced. But the other road, the old road, it was the familiar one. The one I lived every weekend. I knew that one better. Drunkenness, just a sin, work of my sinful nature. And regularly I'd feel and experience an internal conflict between the two things. The desire to live a new life and the pull of my past desires. 
But as God changed my heart, I started to see there's really three reasons. I think a lot of us turn to drinking and especially get drunk. The first is entertainment. Like I mentioned, I just want to spend time with friends, right? Fun, I'm bored, I want something to do, I want something to kind of uh, fill my night, I want to have a few laughs, so there's just some entertainment. I do think there's some of you in the room, though, that drink for the second reason and get drunk, and that's to escape. That there's pressures of class and the pressures of exam and the pressure of parents and the expectations you've either fairly or unfairly put upon yourself and the expectations you get from living and seeing other people's lives on your phone and you think your life doesn't match up. And the only way you feel relieved of those pressures is on Friday night if you can go out and drink a little too much. And for some of you, it's not just escape from pressure, but it's, it's honestly, it's escape from pain. You've had some pretty terrible things happen, and it hurts, and the only way you can forget it is by the use and abuse of alcohol. So you turn to it to cover, cover up those scars, and sadly, some of you turn to alcohol as an escape from consequences because you know you're going to make some self-destructive decisions that you would never make otherwise but you want to keep turning towards them. The last reason, I actually think a lot of people drink and kind of get drunk for some insight. Might sound strange, but here's the deal. I think God's made us, and we all have this intuitive insight that not only is there something like more and better out there, but there's something richer and deeper inside. And drinking, drunkenness, or drugs, they provide this distance from the demands of your day in such a way that you can reflect on what the poet Matthew Arnold called the buried life. The life deep inside of you. The real you, buried inside. And so when you drink, and when you get drunk, there's this freedom and for these fleeting moments, you get whiffs of who you want to be. Confident, bold, joyful, unashamed, free, uninhibited. And yet you know, for each weekend, that you unearth that buried self for a moment. When the buzz dies down and the music fades, you end up buried again but even deeper. You start to begin feeling separated from yourself, like there's two different lives going on. If it keeps going so far, you begin to feel a little bit like a ghost, especially on Saturday and Sunday morning, kind of hovering above a grave, grim, thin, hollow, and empty. I know that because that's what I experienced kind of this detachment from myself almost. So I wonder for you that went out recently, what were you really looking for? What were you seeking? And I wonder, did you find it? Not just where you kind of like glimpsed it, but were you actually able to grasp and hold on to the thing you were seeking out there? Is it what you truly wanted? The thing is, I think that you will never feel more like yourself until you begin to say yes to Jesus in all areas of your life. Because I didn't begin feeling like myself until I started to say yes to Jesus. But once you begin saying yes to him, 
The ways that he fills your life cannot be matched by anything else. And while, yes, there's still a little bit of entertainment when you see your friend drunkenly fall on his face, that's still kind of funny. It, it just doesn't fulfill like it used to. Because your capacity to know and enjoy God has grown so much that the lesser things just don't satisfy. You're hungry for more of him. It's interesting, one of the most clear verses on alcohol in all of scripture is Ephesians 5.14. It just says this. It says, do not get drunk. This says with wine, but it doesn't really matter. It says, do not get drunk, for that leads to debauchery. That pretty much means all the things you expect happen when a lot of people get really drunk. That's what debauchery means. But instead, be filled by the Spirit. Honestly, doesn't this seem like a strange verse? This is comparing being filled by the power of God, contrasting it with getting drunk. It's like, what do those two things even have to do with each other? But I actually think there's a lot of insight there. What happens when you drink and get drunk? There's a power that comes, kind of feels like inside of you. You do have less inhibitions. You feel more confident. Like, just think about, you just feel like you can talk to people you would never talk to. People, like, start to sing songs together in non-embarrassing ways that would totally be embarrassing otherwise, right? You actually try to dance when you can't dance. There's some things about life that feel easier when it's greased up by some alcohol. But now, instead, it's saying, no, 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 you don't need to go to those things that are temporary fleeting and actually leave you hollow inside. Now, the power of God inside of you is going to make you who you truly are. Bold, confident, full of faith, able to love, connect, and rejoice with so many people. But not because of alcohol, but because of the internal power of Christ. Because of Jesus inside of you. That buried self now comes out when you're filled and empowered by Christ. You're conformed to the character of the King, Jesus, who lived and died for you and for me. And that's your true self, made in the image of God. And here's what I want you to know. For you, that would say, this is hitting a little close to home. There is an abundance of forgiveness in Jesus. Uh, a few guys and I, we've been trying to memorize, it's a little tough, but we're trying to memorize Ephesians 1, 1 to 14, which is like one of the best passages in all of scripture. But in there, it talks about the riches of God's grace towards you, the abundance of God's grace, his glorious grace that is lavish, that is poured, that is overflowing towards you. So if you're in this room, you're not condemned. There is abundance of life-giving grace that God gives you. And I want to say, I don't hold it against you. You can turn to the king because he loves you. But I will say, this is a time to change and to go back to the life that God wants for you. See, if you're like me, there's a point where you just have to decide, I'm done. There's a line in the sand where you say, I'm not getting drunk anymore. And in a few minutes, we'll talk about when and where drinking can be okay. But for you, if you're in that situation, the first step is this. You go to God and you say, God, forgive me. Your life is more fulfilling than anything I can ever find outside of you. And because becoming like Jesus is my real destiny, I commit by your power to never ever getting drunk again. Now, if you make that decision, it's going to confuse your friends. 
they are not going to understand why you're not doing the same thing this weekend that you did last weekend. It's going to feel awkward. They're going to feel a little rejected. And honestly, that's part of the cost. But it's going to be worth it. And they'll come to understand. If they're true friends, they'll come to understand over time. Because they care about you and not just what you're doing with them on a Friday night. You're going to still be tempted and tested. You're going to feel it. But saying yes to following Jesus, the Jesus way, and saying no to the old ways will result in more life than you could ever experience. So I want to challenge some of you tonight, if you're in the same place that I was right now, tonight, say, God, I'm not going back. And for some of you, I know some of the challenge is you got a little ID that gets you into places that you shouldn't be in. I'll be up front after 180. I'll take it. You can quietly slip it to me right here at this table tonight. And I'll put it in my back pocket and won't say a thing. Or if there's a trusted older friend or staff member in the room, we want to help you. Turn it over. Or if there's, maybe that's not quite your scene, maybe it's somewhere else, there's maybe a symbolic way you can say, hey, I'm done. But I want to be up here to help you. I have so many stories I could share about how I was, had some trials in the midst of this, had some pressures. Um, I'll just briefly share one. Uh, life's changing a whole bunch. Maybe I shared this a little bit before, but life's changing crazy. Experiencing Christ. I'm at a fall retreat with crew. Heard amazing speakers, amazing worship. The weekend is ending. We're at this camp. It's not a Christian camp. It's just kind of like a 4-H-ish kind of camp. So other people had used it the weekend before. We're packing up to leave from that weekend Everyone else is getting in the car, and as I'm putting things away in my bag, somehow on this shelf in this little tiny cabin was a full bottle of whiskey. Baffled. It's like, who would have left that there? And no one brought it from crew. I was living with some crew staff members, so I don't, I don't think they were. That'd be a whole other conversation. But it was there, and all these thoughts were in my head of like, I could be the hero right now. Because if I go back to my dorm room tonight with this, oh, man. Because I always had to kind of bum off my friends who had brother or sister here at school, right? I'm like, this is my chance. But then I reflect on all God had been doing that weekend and really that whole semester. And I literally had a bag in my hand and the bottle in the other. It's like, what do I do? In the bag or not in the bag? And I stepped out of the cabin, not sure what the decision was, and there was a big blue trash can, and I dropped it in there and walked away. And I didn't look back. That was the line in the sand moment for me, the symbolic moment of saying, God, What you have is so much greater. Now, there's some of you in the room that might think, hey, this isn't quite as relevant. There's some of you that don't drink at all. Because of your family background or your moral upbringing or some of your Christian convictions, you've never drank and decided you won't. Hey, I commend you for that. I think there's a proper biblical response that looks like that. To say, hey, I don't want it. I don't like it. And I hope it's a reflection of your character and wanting to follow Christ. But I do have a question. What do you think of a Christian who appropriately handles alcohol? Like, how do you, how do you view them? Because there's been times and places in the history of the church when drinking wasn't just like a wisdom issue, like, hey, how do I follow Christ best? But people turned it into a salvation issue, pretty much saying there's no way you can be a real Christian and never have a drink of alcohol. And I'll just say I don't think that's scriptural. I don't think it's a salvation issue. And I don't think we should turn it into a divisive thing. 
Appropriately drinking alcohol should not be a defining issue amongst Christians. But the key word there is appropriately. So if you're one of those people that's like, hey, this is not a really a problem for me, I have a challenge, a few different challenges. One is we need you. For those like me who committed to give up drunkenness, that's a radical decision, so give us something to do. Because there's some of us here that want to leave our past, but no one's opening up kind of a future for us. And we feel the battle of Friday night, and we feel the battle of Saturday night. Because every weekend, all my friends were inviting me out. And I wasn't strong enough to say, no, 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 I'm just going to hang out in my room this weekend. Right? I needed you. And I would honestly walk around Thursdays at 180 like a beggar with a can. Hey, what are you up to this weekend? Hey, what are you up to this weekend? Begging to be invited to something because if I wasn't invited out, I was on Palmer Street. We need you. And the truth is you need us. You need to be face-to-face with seeing the joy of a changed life, of someone experiencing the grace of God in powerful ways, and someone that's maybe walked through a struggle that you've not had. And the world needs your witness. They don't need your judgment with disgust. They need your understanding that comes with compassion. And honestly, I think you should be the type of person that's so connected to other friends here on campus that you do get invited to the bar sometimes, that you do get invited to a party because you're in somebody else's life, because you're their friend. And I'm not saying you need to go, but you need to have people that you're around that you can be a light to. Being conformed to the character of Christ, you get to serve others who are maybe a little bit more weak in this area as you're weak in some others. So don't be divisive, but open up your life, open up your weekend, and invite us in. And the last group I want to talk to is for you that would be like, hey, I'm a Christ follower, and I think drinking's okay. I'll put myself, I'm in that category. Uh, My fridge has beer in it sometimes, all right? There's appropriate ways to live this out. My worry has been, I don't know if it's been a problem, but there's been moments in my time here with crew where young Christians, especially young leaders, so didn't want to look like a typical Christian and so wanted to like kind of live out this freedom in Christ that they almost made drinking like a sign of a growing Christian. Like, now I can drink because I'm following Jesus. Or so, it was kind of strange. They also thought, I can't have a good witness to people who aren't Christians unless I drink. And there was actually, it's kind of like, uh, so my question would be like, how do you view those who choose not to drink? Do you think that they're weak? Or even worse, do you think they're uncool if they're an of-age Christian that doesn't drink? I don't think that's a healthy attitude. And there was a time, I don't know if it's as much, but it was almost, there was like, a span of seven years where I felt like if I ever looked at a pastor's bio online, they had thick rimmed glasses, a beard, and they said their three favorite things were good coffee, theology, and craft beer. I was like, how's everyone like the same three things? And it almost reeked of this desire to be cool and to be connected. But here's the deal. What makes you relevant to someone is not what's in your cup. It's what comes out of your heart. This is true in all areas. 
But for the Christ follower, character is king. Not cultural accommodation, not coolness, but character. The solid, integrated, mature, inner self being conformed to the pattern of our crucified and risen king. Because if you love your friend, if you hang out with them, if you're joyful around them, ask them good questions, if you're kind, that's what makes you relevant. They're not going to care what you're drinking. Because that's what Jesus did. Scripture never says that Jesus drank. We know that Jesus made wine. And yet at the same time, Jesus was counted among the drunkards. It was like he had this, uh, he was able to be around people that are in different stages of life. And he lived differently, but still was able to enter in. So I'd say, if you're in that place where you're like, yeah, I think I'm, a, I, I'm okay. I don't think drinking's a sin. So I might do it as a Christian. I just have a few little helpful guidelines that I think are from some wisdom from Scripture. One, you always got to do it with self-control. Never drunk and not even close. What that meant for me, the general rule is, if I can't drive, I've gone too far. That meant, especially uh, in school, that meant if I was with friends, and like now I was of age, up at a bar, I'd have one drink, maybe two. The problem is the one turns to two turns to four pretty quick, and now you've made some pretty poor decisions. So, um, that'd be some wisdom. Also, this had been a problem a little bit. There was once a time in crew, we had a crew house. A guy was really excited for his 21st birthday. Eventually, an ambulance had to be called to the crew house that night because he had had drink too much alcohol. It's happened. Second thing I would say is you got to be of age. We can debate whether you feel like the age should be 18 or 21. I understand. I've heard all those arguments. Maybe I have sympathy towards some of them, whatever. It's the law. Wise, don't drink if you're underage. And part of it is you're a leader. It's not going to look great if you get busted for underage drinking, even if it was just one. You must not pressure others to partake. I think sometimes Christians can feel like it's fun to pressure another Christian to drink. Don't do that. We have had a parent call us whose daughter was a freshman here, really excited to be involved with crew. Her first drink as a freshman was with some upperclassmen crew guys at a crew house. Don't do that. Those are not fun phone calls to have with anybody, all right? And it's got to be in wisdom. There's some that are really battling with alcohol around you. So don't drink around them. There's people underage, put it away. Live it out in wisdom. Don't make it central. Don't make it something you're bragging about. If you're finding a lot of your conversations about where you went or what you had, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> it's not meant to be that way. Like I said, it shouldn't be central. For me, it was my 21st birthday. Fakes were a little bit harder when I was a student. But now I was finally 21, so I'd never really been up to the bars on Court Street, even though I'd been to a lot of all the other parties. But I didn't go out that day. It was just a symbol of saying, God, my life's changed. So I hung out with a lot of my friends from crew. And eventually I'd have like one or two beers with some Christian friends. Because now as of age, I was able to handle it appropriately. And now as I got to experience kind of doing that appropriately of age one or two, now it meant some of my old friends from sophomore year I could actually go hang out with them at a bar because I could trust myself not to be foolish. So I think that's a good progression that I would challenge you guys to have. One, 
Because there's abundant life in Jesus. And the Jesus way is way better than any other way. Commit tonight to saying, I will never get drunk again. And they maybe say, hey, I'm not going to drink until I'm of age. And then maybe you're of age, say, hey, if I'm comfortable with it, I will have a drink with one or with a few Christian friends in an appropriate way where I'm not being foolish and throwing it all over social media and causing a whole bunch of confusion. And then if you can trust yourself in those areas, it's like, yeah, now I can go engage. When my, when my roommate or my classmate invites me out, they may go out with them. And maybe I have one. But I keep myself, like I have a limit. I know when to say no. I know when to walk home. I want you to have abundant life. I want you to experience what I've experienced and the change that happened in my life. I want you to experience the loveliness of God's grace towards you. And I want you to pull out the buried self that God's created in his image to look like Jesus, to live like Jesus, to have life like Jesus. So like I said, I'll be up front. If you have questions you want to talk, I'd love to. If you have a little piece of plastic you want to slip my way, I will gladly take it, and we won't even say a word about it. There's people in here that deeply care about you. We're a family. We're a body. We need one another. Invite one another out. Love one another. Take care of one another so that we can be love and life to one another and light to the world. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, Thank you that you came to give us life, that you sent your son Jesus to live and die on the cross, to pay for our sin, to wipe away our shame, that we may be new creations created in the image of Jesus. We want to be conformed to his image, experiencing the new life you have for us. So I pray that tonight, even as we worship, Lord, that you be stirring in our hearts what is our next step, to be more and more conformed to the character of our crucified and risen king. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Thanks to our listeners for tuning into this episode of the 180 Podcast, a production of Crew in Southeast Ohio. If you enjoyed this episode, please give it a like, a share, or leave an encouraging comment, and that will go a long way toward helping others hear about the podcast. The podcast isn't the only thing that we do. Whether you're a student living on campus or if you're still at home studying virtually, we'd encourage you to check us out on social media to hear more about what's going on. You can follow us on Instagram at crew at OU, or to learn more about who we are and what we do, head over to our website, crew at OU.org. We'd encourage you if you visit the site to complete our involvement form to get more connected to all the things that are happening. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to seeing you next Thursday for another episode of the 180 Podcast.